I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Kiki, I'm talking to a girl named Kiki. I am so happy. I have been wanting to do this movie since it was announced, and I realized it was going to be Disney. Do you feel pretty today, Kiki? I never feel pretty, no. <laughs> so That's why this is an audio podcast and not a video one. So, uh, yeah, we are talking about the 2021 remake of West Side Story. There's a lot of history with this. This, you know, one of the greatest Broadway musicals of all time. A Academy Award-winning Best Picture film in 1962. The original film is a classic. And Steven Spielberg says, I want to try my hand. When Spielberg says he wants to do something, you let him do it. You had me at Steven Spielberg wants to do a musical. And then he's like, oh, no, no, no. I want to do a Sondheim musical. And then I was like, oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Which one do you want to do? I want to do West Side Story. Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, of course, based off Romeo and Juliet. West Side Story, the story of the Puerto Rican family in the formerly all-white neighborhood and the white gang that kind of wants their turf back. Kudos to the remake for keeping it in the 1950s. And yeah, there is no update. This, yeah. this is the the straight-up story as it was intended, as it was originally written. And when the original Broadway musical came out, that was contemporary. This play did come out in the 1950s. When the original film was made, you know, the, this film opens, they're demolishing the slums to build what would become Lincoln Center. The original film was kind of filmed on top of the rubble as they were building it, because that is the neighborhood it was written about. It is interesting that this film starts with, this is the future side of Lincoln Center, (laughs) to remind you that we like this you know we're we're artists and moviegoers and you know if you're watching this film you're the sort of person that likes this kind of thing they used eminent domain to take this land and tear down these homes and businesses and force these people out and then build lincoln center and you know everything that's around there now and gentrify the area so Art centers and stuff are cool. Yes, we want them. But remember the history of how we got there. And as I said, the the movie itself takes place in 1957, which is the same year that the original musical came on Broadway. Again, at the time, the play was contemporary and not a period piece. 
of course, by the time we get to 1961, the film version comes out. And uh, I had forgotten this when I made uh, last week's comment. Um, Disney doesn't own the original film version of West Side Story. That is owned by MGM. And uh, recently we found out that MGM just got purchased by Amazon. Yep, that is kind of recently breaking news as to when we are recording this. My my dog is not too happy about that merger. <laughs> But uh, if you do want to watch the original 1961 film, West Side Story, it is available on HBO Max, as is this version. Uh, Late last year, Disney and Warner made an agreement for this final year of this Fox uh, HBO deal that they would have some shared movies. So West Side Story 2021 is available on both Disney Plus and HBO Max. Yeah, it it is uh, really interesting to have that kind of shared deal. It's also kind of cool. I mean, we keep talking about there's enough pie to go around. <laughs> Again, at least for this year, the final year of this of this contract, and next year. Yeah, I'll... next year they're going to get greedy and be like my pie, but you know. For now. For now, it's it's cool. It's very interesting. Um, the way this this happened this was one of those things of that it's Spielberg was like i want to direct west side story and fox was like spielberg wants to direct west side story um somebody get the rights to west side story <laughs> um, it was one of those things of like you know famous director has a thought and studio is like Oh my god, we better make that happen. And this was a deal that was made before the Disney merger. Like, this was already in discussions. Fox, before being bought by Disney, had to negotiate the film rights. I don't know if MGM was involved with that, but uh, 20th Century Fox made the deal. And around the time everything was going to start is when Disney bought 20th Century Fox. And here we are. Yeah, it is interesting that with all these deals and mergers and how long it takes to produce things, we've talked before about the fact that, you know, one of one of our friends just woke up one day and was like, oh, wait, I work for Disney now. Uh, when did that happen? <laughs> so that that's become our, our running joke is that eventually everybody's just going to wake up one day and just be like, oh, wait, when did I start working for Disney? But that does so bizarrely frequently happen in entertainment that you just sign on for a job and then some weird merger happens and you find yourself working for a completely different corporation. This was such a passion project for Spielberg because if you wa if you watch the the credits you'll see that there is a title card at the end of the film that just says for dad his father was a big fan of musicals his father just recently passed away mm -hmm. um in fact during the production of this film his father was over 100 years old when Spielberg was a kid they didn't really listen to pop music and he always said that the soundtrack to West Side Story was the first pop music he ever remembered being played on the record player at his house. 
that they had the album to to West Side Story. He also does a lot throughout his work with, you know, racial division. The man made Schindler's List. I mean, he made Schindler's List. He made The Color Purple. He made Amistad. uh, I mean, uh, Munich, um, Lincoln. It, It is a big theme in his his work growing up the way that he did and the sorts of themes that he comes back to you can absolutely see why west side story would appeal to him there's a lot of in this movie that still resonates in real life today especially with the overt racism absolutely um which is unfortunate and I'm I will give it this this movie. Spielberg does not shy away from it. I think there's more evidence of the racism in this movie than the original film. The interesting thing is, and I am going to defer to um Kyle Cochran's wonderful video that he did on West Side Story during one of his Summer of Shakespeare videos. Go look it up on YouTube. Brows held high. <laughs> Uh, Summer of Shakespeare, West Side Story. He talks about in his dissection of the 1961 film that a modern audience looking at that film absolutely sees it as a depiction of systemic racism. However, if you go back and look at critics of the time talking about the film, the critics in 1961 saw the film as a depiction of everything that was wrong with youth culture on an individual level. In other words, they saw the film as, oh, these foolish children. If these foolish children could just stop their individual nitpicky fights, then the world would be a better place. They saw the point of the film as Doc's line, which is a character that is not in this new film, we'll get into it. Doc, who runs the pharmacy that the Jets hang out in, in the original film and in the original play, he has a line in the original film and play uh, where he says, I forget the original, the exact line, but he says something to the effects of, the world would be better if you kids uh, would just stop fighting. And all the critics of the time grabbed onto that line. But what Kyle points out in his video is that nobody at the time that he found, uh, the critics he looked at, ever point out that the next line in the play is one of the Jets responding, we didn't make the world. In other words, these, these kids are just responding to the world that they live in. They didn't set up the system. They're just trying to survive it, which was the point that Sondheim and Bernstein and, you know, the the creators of the play were trying to get across. And what follows immediately after that line in the original play is the G. Officer Krupke song, where the kids try to explain to the cop that they're not the bad guys. They're just trying to survive. It's a much longer version of that line. The interesting thing is, is that the new film Spielberg's version cuts that part out entirely because Spielberg's version absolutely is about systemic racism. If you miss that this film is about systemic racism, you have turned off your entire brain. Another thing that I would really, I did like about this remake 
and this is a, a a product of more modern revivals of West Side Story. Is there's more Spanish in the movie? Sometimes there's whole conversations that happen in Spanish. Uh, the last twenty or so years with revivals, it had more Latino influence, Latino stage directors and whatnot, kind of making it a little bit more authentic. And I will give props to Spielberg on that one for focusing that in the movie. A lot of people came at him for the fact that there are no subtitles in this film. There are no burned in subtitles. And interestingly, I discovered something in the rewatch because I watched this film the week it came out, the week it hit Disney Plus. You know, I had been waiting to see this uh, because of COVID. I was not able to see it in theaters. So when it hit Disney Plus, I was right there waiting to see it. And when it initially hit Disney Plus, I watch everything with with captions if they're available. So uh, I I watched it with captions, and much to my dismay, whenever characters were speaking Spanish, the captions just said speaking Spanish or just Spanish. They did not caption the spanish and that very much annoyed me because a hearing audience would hear the spanish whether or not you understand the spanish is a completely different you know point okay a hearing audience would hear the spanish words therefore you should caption the spanish as well a note for anyone who may be out there who may end up in the job of providing closed captioning services, caption anything that a hearing person would hear. Interestingly, uh, when I did the rewatch for this podcast, the Spanish has been added to the captions now. I'm guessing somebody complained. and you know, I, they... I hope that is what happened. Thank you, Disney+. Plus for adding that my spanish is almost non-existent but it did very much help me um i understood much more of the movie but back back to the original point there are no burned in english subtitles for the spanish spielberg says the reason that he did not subtitle it for the english speaking audience is because he thought that that would give the idea that english was the superior or supreme or preferred language. I had no trouble understanding the emotion of that scene or any of the scenes where it's primarily in Spanish because you can still understand the body language, the tone of the voice, the, you know, I may not understand the exact words that they're saying, but I can understand when Maria is mad at Bernardo or Bernardo is, you know, being overbearing to Maria. I still understand the emotions of the characters, even if I don't understand the precise wording of every line. And in those scenes, that's all I need. We we have a really good cast, but interestingly, most of them not really a cast that had a lot of screen time. So... We're not going to be going through them individually because I, I'm just going to put it out there. Unless you are a really, really big theater geek, you have not heard of most of this cast prior to this film. 
So this is a, the, a first film for most of this cast. As far as I have been able to tell, it really is kind of the quote-unquote big break for a lot of this cast. Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple of notables. We have, of course, I'm, I'm going to start with the big one because you just, you got to love her. We've got Rita Moreno coming back. Yep. She, she was Anita in the 61 film. When yeah. it was announced that she was going to come back for this movie, a lot of the, of the theater geeks and, and, and musical geeks were like up and out. Like, yay, Rita's coming back. Who's she playing? <laughs> and the big answer to that is they created a character so she could come back. She um, pretty much takes over the role of Doc, but in this one, she's Valentina, Doc's Puerto Rican wife. Yeah, his his widow. Um, they took the role of Doc and they've given it to Valentina and they've created this side story of a couple to mirror the story of Tony and Maria, that there was this marriage between a white man and a Puerto Rican woman in this same neighborhood. They were able to make it work despite everything and spent many happy years together. He has passed, presumably, of old age. She now continues to run the pharmacy in his stead and has become a, a mentor to Tony and his boss and, you know, helps him, helps him and the Jets out. And it's a really compelling role. Interestingly, you know, she talks about her casting in the original film even though it was her her big break and she was basically like the only latina actress in in the original film they darkened her skin for the role because they didn't think she looked ethnic enough she's talked for years about how that really kind of did some mental damage to her of course, Rita Moreno did win the Oscar for her portrayal of Anita. And uh, interestingly enough, she is also one of the few that has won the EGOT. That, of course, is the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Interestingly enough, though, the Grammy is for her work on The Electric Company. Isn't she the one from the electric company that screams, hey, you guys? A lot of people did in that in that show. But, yeah, but uh, it, it blew my mind when I realized that. But the cool thing is, is that one of her Emmys is for her work on The Muppet Show, hmm. which I always love. Yeah, her, her appearance on The Muppet Show is what won one of her two Emmys. The cool thing about her... Tony Award is that she won it for her portrayal of a character that she did in a play called The Ritz, which was kind of a character that she sort of created as a parody of all of the weird sort of Latina stereotypes that she'd always been asked to play. 
And she did it after being in kind of a deep depression about being typecast after doing the role of Anita. She thought it was that doing that character and playing that role, she thought that was going to jumpstart her career. And instead, it kind of stalled her career for many years. But I I love that she's back doing the same thing for a different actress uh, because in this version, Anita is played by Ariana DeBose, who does it so beautifully. If you saw her before this film, it was probably because you watched Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. She is in that version. But she is just in the ensemble. <laughs> uh, so, however, she does have a striking look. So I do remember seeing her in the ensemble and kind of going, who's that? She's a really good dancer. She has a really nice look to her, you know. She has now, you know, this is kind of her big moment. It is so cool to watch her. She has been having a moment at the awards <laughs> <laughs> shows we're we're recording this before the Oscars, so we have no idea how that's going to go. But I wish her well. Like I said, this was a first time out for a lot of people, specifically for our lead actress. This is the first film for Rachel Ziegler. She's already won the uh, Golden Globe when we record this. We talked about her before on the show because she has also been cast as the live-action Snow White for Disney, which they are filming right now. As we're talking, yeah. As we are talking, you know, literally it's in production. So there was a bit of controversy that has already kind of been solved by the time we're recording this. Yeah, very Um, recent controversy. Yeah, very recent controversy. Uh, People had asked her, like, oh, who are you going to be wearing to the Oscars? And she was like, I'm going to be wearing sweatpants and my boyfriend's flannel shirt because I wasn't invited to the Oscars. You think that the lead, the female lead of one of the nominees for Best Picture would at least get an invitation to the Oscars? Yeah, you, you would. I mean... This is her first film. I mean, she's not up for best lead actress, obviously. Yeah. But you would think that okay, you're you're part of the cast. You're, you know, it's you know. She's again, not just part of the cast. She is the, the lead. lead. Yeah. Okay. And they did not even consider inviting her when the Oscars themselves has had a lot of backlash for lack of representation. I mean, you want to talk about Oscar so white. This immediately caused an absolute fury online. I mean, it was it was just an Instagram post. She just kind of tossed off an Instagram post like, you know, hey, I'm going to be rooting for everybody and the film and, you know, go all my co-stars, go Ariana kind of thing. The internet lost its absolute mind, which, fair. This story does have a sort of happy ending, I guess. 
Yeah, as of the time we're recording this, which, uh, as we said, before the ceremony takes place, here's an interesting thing. I want to point out <laughs> somebody who did speak up in her defense. Russ Tamblin, who was the actor who played Riff in the original film, he sent, he sent out a, a message saying, as a voting member, meaning of the Academy, and the original riff, let me say, it is your duty to find Rachel a seat at the Oscars. When they say representation matters, this is what that means. Please do right by her. Go riff. <laughs> yeah, Russ Tamblin is a pretty cool guy. I'll just say that. I've been a fan of his for my entire life. Next day, <laughs> the Academy invited Rachel to be a presenter at the Oscars. When your presenters are Tony Hawk and DJ Khaled, yeah. What's DJ Khaled going to present? His name? <laughs> He's just going to walk up there and be like, DJ Khaled! And then walk off stage. The interesting thing is, though, is that um, they did have to uh, reconfigure uh, the shooting schedule for Snow White because she was in London at the time because they're filming snow white in like like we said literally as we're recording this just days before the oscars um so uh but you know D D disney knows what's good uh so they they did that we're hoping that all goes well and um if i were a designer i would want to be the person she is wearing <laughs> When she presents at the Oscars, because you know everybody wants to know who she's going to be wearing as her I am presenting at the Oscars after the Oscars tried to not have me be at the Oscars dress. Yeah. You want to be that designer. Uh, interestingly, uh, as uh, Officer Krupke, they got Brian Darcy James, who is a freaking... Uh, legend. Broadway legend, honestly. Yeah. yeah, Broadway legend. Great voice. Does not sing in this film. <laughs> I've seen Brian Darcy James perform in Shrek the Musical. Yeah, he's a he's a good Shrek. He's also um, King George in Hamilton. He's done that role. But yeah, I mean, he's he's great. Uh, he's been um in something rotten and you know everything he's really good in this and i think it's just you don't care if you're singing or not if you get a chance to be in steven spielberg's west side story you don't say no to that i just want to give a uh, a couple of quick shout outs to um david alvarez who uh is is bernardo in this absolutely oh my goodness so good in this he was one of the original uh, Billy Elliot's in the Broadway production of Billy Elliot. And he is one of the youngest winners of uh, the Tony for best actor in a lead role. So good in this. But this is like kind of his first real big role. Mike Faced. I think is is his uh, last name. He was the uh, original Morris Delancey in Newsies on Broadway. Yeah. So there's 
Disney connection for you. Also, for the theater geeks out there, he was also the original um, Connor in Dear Evan Hansen. This is his first major film role. He is fire in this film. I really want to give a shout out to somebody who I really hope has just an excellent career after this film because it's kind of their first film role too. They changed the role of anybody's in this film and it went to an actor named Iris Menace and they are so good. Yeah, uh, in the original film, Anybody's was a tomboy girl. In this one, uh, Anybody's is a non-binary trans character. At, at one point, asserts their gender identity as not a girl. We're, we're not really sure beyond that. They are very angry when referred to as, as a girl by, by the Jets. However, at, at the end of the film... They are referred to as a boy by another character and seem to be okay with that. But it, it's kind of interesting uh, to to see that. And I like the acknowledgement that trans and non-binary people have kind of always been there living alongside of us, whether or not we've chosen to acknowledge them. Kudos to Spielberg for, for, for going that direction. Iris just such a good presence on screen especially towards the end of the film every time they're on camera you can't really ignore them i really hope that it leads to more work because i think that they could really become a bigger name finally uh rounding out kind of the named cast uh we have ansel elgort playing tony so um that'll do it for cast. Yeah. So, so you want to you wanna get into the plot and kind of how they, they changed it? Because I think a lot of people listening will have probably seen the original film, maybe, or a stage version. If not, you definitely know the story of Romeo and Juliet. Kind of follows that same thing. There, there are a lot of kind of changes that they made in micro <laughs> from the... 61 film interestingly most of the changes that they did took it back in line with the stage version they did change like we've already said um the character of doc into valentina added that new subplot they've added a black character which was not in the original and it was just kind of to remind you, like, hey, you know, black people existed in 50s New York, too. Yeah. Um, because that was kind of overlooked, mostly because, well, this was focusing on racial tensions between the white and Puerto Rican community of the 1950s. So it, it kind of just, you know, I don't want to overlook that, but it wasn't really what they were focusing on. They do change the order of some of the songs, which the, the 61 film did as well. The biggest change that people will notice is they give somewhere to Valentina. It is no longer given to Maria and Tony, you know. It is given to Valentina 
and it is sung over the aftermath of Bernardo's death. And it's, you know, riffs too, but yeah. <laughs> everybody kind of forgets about riff. It's kind of sung more of a memory, like you know, singing up because because they show pictures of Doc with Valentina in the in, in these in in the picture in the black and white pictures you see in, in throughout the uh, the the uh, the drugstore. So it's kind of like a partial her reminiscing about Doc and also. Will there be somewhere for us when all when all these changes happens to the neighborhood? But it's also, you know, there is that that line of we'll find a new way of living, we'll find a way of forgiving. You know, it is more of a plea for peace and racial justice and can we please stop fighting already? I absolutely adore that scene because it is Rita Moreno alone, very quietly, with her delicate way in this soft, sweet voice, absolutely reaching into your chest, pulling out your heart, and stomping on it right in front of you <laughs> with this song. If you are not absolutely destroyed by the end of that number, you have no soul. <laughs> Like you said uh, last week with, with Encanto, she'll rip your heart, I'll step on it, and you'll thank her for it. Yeah, it is just, I mean, that that scene, when I first saw it, I was not prepared. I have seen version after version of, of this play. I have seen that song done so many times by so many different people. I was not prepared for any of that. Oh as, my goodness. And the backdrop of this is Tony and Maria. Yeah, it is their kind of consummation of their relationship going on in the, in the background. Because that's when you do, after your brother's killed, is sleep with his killer. Well, you know, when else are they going to have a chance? Mm. The other thing is that they've changed I Feel Pretty in the in the. 61 film it takes place in maria's bedroom you know with some of her friends and they're you know in this one it takes at her job he puts on some of the clothing in there and kind of goes through the whole song and the interesting thing is they were going to cut this number completely how do you cut i feel pretty it's one of the most iconic songs from the play well the interesting thing is that they sondheim never wanted this number in the play it seems because it was the number coming back from intermission. The rumble where Riff and Bernardo dies is is originally, you know, that's where intermission goes. So you have the big fight and the death. Tony runs away. Intermission. Everybody goes to intermission. And the producers originally were like, no, you know, you need a bright, happy number to get people back into the play after intermission and they fought it and fought it and fought it and eventually the producers won out is how i understand the story and in the original film they changed it so that it comes earlier so that you don't have it well your brother's killed i feel pretty oh so pretty yes yeah, like because it is a tonal whiplash yeah, but again, I, like in the play and like in this part, 
she has no idea what's going on at this point. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is that Tony Kushner is the one that convinced them to keep it. Because one, how do you how do you cut I feel pretty? It's iconic. But two, when you watch this film, it goes from like, oh, happy dancing Maria. It sort of becomes a horror piece. You are not happy watching this version. I'm sorry. There is a sense of dread watching I Feel Pretty in this version. Because the entire time you are watching that number, you are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, your brother just died in the last scene. Your boyfriend is is his killer. What's going to happen now? And then it happens right there. Yeah, it's it's Chino who de- delivers the news by coming to find Maria at work. Okay, I love this film so very much. She's leaving work and she realizes like, oh, I didn't punch my time card. I have to go back. And she leaves the group of girls. And just before we see, you know, Chino or before we hear Chino. The group of girls leaves her, and if you notice, on the wall right next to Maria as she is separated from the group of girls is a fallout shelter sign. Because it's 1950s New York. But also, she's about to experience the fallout from what just... (laughs) It is what a perfect visual metaphor. The bomb is about to drop on her life. And... I I didn't even pick up on that in the first view again. I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my god, I love how perfectly thought out every single frame of this film is. It's just so beautiful. And I mean, maybe I'm misremembering things, but I love Chino's change in the movie. Because when we first meet Chino, he's kind of nerdy, kind of shy, kind of like, you know, he's supposed to be Maria's he's boyfriend. Got a job repairing adding machines, or he's learning how to. He's not even there yet. He's learning how to repair adding machines. He's going to be the guy repairing adding machines. Like he has to, you know, and he has the glasses and everything. And once the rumble ha- starts and he takes those glasses off, there's that change in him. Dur, 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 you know, just like and I ain't talking Superman. I, I mean, it's like he just. Yeah. It's it's a, it's sort of an innocence lost moment. Like well, he spends it... the whole film wanting to be Bernardo. And that's that's the whole conversation at the beginning of the film when he's introduced. He's like, I want to be the guy that fights for my people. I want to be the guy that protects the and Bernardo keeps saying, like, Maria does not want a guy like me. But being him didn't get him Maria either. Yeah. I mean, it got him jail, <laughs> you know. But it's like, you know, and then, you know, after Bernardo says, you know, what did Bernardo fight? What did, what did he die for? What did he fight for? A pile of rubble. I mean, in the end. Yeah. A neighborhood no one remembers. A neighborhood that no longer exists. Yeah. It's such a absolute tragedy on so many levels, you know. So many characters start out, like, you have you know, again, obviously, you know, Chino, who has a great future ahead of him, and he throws it away for revenge. You've got Tony, who 
after spending year a year or so in jail, who has cleaned himself up, who is going to fly straight. He's gonna he's gonna fly straight. He's gonna be a good guy now. He's gonna do it the right way. Is you know the old phrase from The Godfather? Just when I thought I was out, they dragged me back in. He gets pulled back into that old gang life, and it's the end of him. And the thing is, is that it's because he didn't listen. He says. You know, Maria, I want to be with you. I'll do anything for you. And she's like, okay, don't go to that fight. Tony, what did you do? Did you go to the fight? Yeah, I went to the fight. Like, but well, he thinks you that, know. He thinks, that, oh, I'm going to stop the fight from happening. And yeah, he ends up killing Bernardo. But it's like, you had one job, you know? <laughs> it's like. Listen to your woman. That's yeah, what I would say. Listen to your woman. It's like she she asked well, and the same thing with Bernardo and Anita. Mm-hmm. She asked him the same thing. Don't go to the fight. And it cost both of them their lives. It's interesting because they changed two other songs and turned them into my favorite now versions of those songs that I've ever seen staged or filmed. One of them is the song Cool. Originally, it's kind of a thing after the death of Riff in the in the original uh, film. That is, they're gathered in docks. I believe it is. The Jets are trying to figure out, you know, like what are we going to do about it? You know, how do we strike back at at the sharks? And a character named Ice is now the de facto leader because Rip is dead. And he is the one that cautions them to not immediately go to war. But in this version, it's right after Rip gets the gun. He buys a gun for the Rumble. (coughs) And Tony finds out about it. And Tony confronts Rip. To cool him down. Stay cool. Don't lose your head over this. And yeah. Riff doesn't listen. And they kind of turn the dance number into a keep away with the gun, which Tony ends up losing, basically. And Riff's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm I'm still going. Pow. <laughs> yeah. And it is now my favorite version that I've ever seen. Um, putting it before the rumble. It makes it a bit more tragic than and, after the rumble. And just how much that gun comes into play for the rest of, the, of this play. Of this yeah, movie. That, yeah. that Tony is trying to, to remove the gun from the scenario and it ends up being the gun that kills him. The other, the other one that they've changed was G. Officer Krupke. Yeah, it's just them singing to each other. The the shark uh, the jets singing to each other rather than singing to Officer Crumpke. I actually love this way more. Because, you know, to set the scenario, anybody's yeah. has kind of gotten loose. Anybody's has lost their mind over the whole I'm not a girl to prove that they are just as tough as any of the other, other boys. Takes out most of the police officers and plays up. Oh, wow. And they're out of there. The entire police force is after anybody's. Leave the police office empty except for the Jets. And then they go into Dear Officer Klumke. I really 
like it because they've added back in the uh, original 1957 lyrics. I like the staging of it. I like them holding like the mock trial. I like all the the bits with the costumes. I like the choreography in the scene. I think the whole thing works. I like the woman who's just kind of in the corner observing them. <laughs> I guess she's a hooker or something. I, I don't really know who she is. Uh, but she's, it seems like she's been there before. <laughs> she seems to have the key and everything just kind of locks herself in a cell. It's kind of very Otis from Andy Griffith. I, I just love this scene so much. I yeah, but that is now my my favorite version of GF Krupke. I I love it so much, and I think it works better for Officer Krupke not being there, because I kind of like the bravado of the Jets without the officer being there. Because you're always braver when the authority figure's not there, you know. Like oh, if he was here, you know what I'd tell him, and then like, but then he walks in, and they're like. Sorry, Hello, officer. Sir. Don't yeah. send me to jail. You know, <laughs> um, they changed America a bit uh, as well. Um, there are a couple of new lines, and uh, it's a kind of dance in the street. They made, yeah, they they made America the big show-stopping number of the, of the movie, and it works so well. The oh, the choreography in there, Bernardo and Anita play so well off of each other. Those two actors are absolute stars of the film not to downplay rachel ziegler at all i think she is absolutely going places i can't wait to see what she does in snow white the duo that they've got in david alvarez and ariana debose oh my goodness they every second they spend on screen together that that is an absolute combo that i would watch in anything put those two on screen together I I will watch it. That that was absolute genius casting. Uh, I have no idea how we would get to the part I want to talk about, but um, we we kind of have to talk about what happens to Anita. Trigger warning: sexual assault. Yeah. Um, they kind of uh glossed over it in the original in yeah. the original film but it is in the stage play yeah and that whole setup now again it's it's one of the most it's well-known part of the, the story so but uh, but i I'm mean just gonna it's, say it's in the original film i'm not going to say it's not in the original film but it's but, not as in the original film as it is in this i'm one. going to say at the way they set this whole thing up and knowing what I knew about the story going into it, oh, oh, no, 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 no. And because we get Officer Krupke trying to get some information about Tony, Maria and Anita trying to cover their bases. They're like, oh, I never danced with a white boy, blah, blah, blah. Maria sends Anita to Docs. Hey, tell... Tell tell Valentina uh, I'll meet his cousin tomorrow, 
And Anita goes down to docks to try to t- give the message to Tony that Maria's running late because of the officer. Keep in mind that Riff is dead, and yeah, the jet, that whole scenario, the whole setup, like they're the, the jet girls are trying to get Anita out of there. Hey, we don't want any Spanish people here right now. We don't want to speak in Spanish right now. We don't want any part of the Spanish people right now because we're grieving. The fact that they purposely lock out their girlfriends as they're banging on the door. Like, they don't like Anita because she's Puerto Rican. But they know what their boyfriends are about to do to her. And they're just banging on that door. Don't hurt her. Don't hurt her. As they try to assault her. They play music. Hey, you want, you wanted to dance at the dance? Wanted to dance for us now? And that whole setup makes it so much more uncomfortable than I've seen it in the original version. And on one hand, I, I hate Spielberg for it. But I love that he made it uncomfortable because of the re the recontextualization of Doc into Valentina. It makes the aftermath much more impactful because, granted, you know, Valentino gets the boys off of her and everything, and Anita just goes off on Valentina, calls her a traitor to her own kind for siding with the white boys, and especially letting them do what they did to her in that moment. And it's more impactful to Valentina. Like, you know, like we said, you know, the whole point of the, the new character of Valentina is to show that there could be something between Tony and Marie in the future because, hey, Doc and Valentina have something. Yeah, the the original play and the original film do kind of have this, you know, the tragedy of, like, well, they were from two different worlds. It could never be. But this one is very it, interesting in the fact that it it shows that, like, no, it could be. You know, there there was a possibility here. It's not that they're too different and, you know, in Anita's words, stick to your own kind. It's that the racial hatred is ridiculous. The systemic issues are ridiculous and need to be fixed. The look, the look that Valentina gives them when they tell Anita to go back to where you came from. Oh my goodness! The f- and and bravo to Valentina for straight up calling them racist. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 also rapists. That mm-hmm. she she names it. She was like, you were about to rape a girl in my store. How dare you? You dishonor yourself. You dishonor your dead. And also that she pulls out the, I know your mother's card. Yeah. <laughs> she well, was like, I know your people, okay? It's in, it's said throughout the movie that she's known these kids since they were children. And I mean, most of them still kind of are children. You know? I mean, it's said that like Maria's 18 and... And, you know, most of them are kind of like 19 or 20, maybe. But, like, most of them seem to be kind of high school or just out of. It's the added, you know, Anita calling Valentina a traitor to her people. I mean, this is the thing that, that, that ruins Anita's American dream in all versions of the story. 
You know, like I said, she did a whole song about how she wants to assimilate into American society. And in this one moment, all of that's ruined for her. She doesn't want to be part of it. If this is what America is all about, she'll go back to the island. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be here with animals like you, you know. Steve says it in, in, in Spanish. I am not American. I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah. And that's when she, you know, she decides to tell the lie that Marie is dead. You know, yeah, uh, which leads to the the final tragedy. But did she intend for Tony to get killed? I don't think so. I think she just wanted him to go away. I don't think she thought he would look for Chino. I think she thought he would just be like, "Okay, well, screw it." He's just like all these other animals. He'll run away too. Yeah, I you know I want to I want to back up a little bit and talk talk about a a couple of other little bits because there's so many things that are just so amazing about this we got to talk about the thing that went viral of course the moment that went viral is the kind of impossible shot the entrance into the dance at the gym it's a trick shot It, it looks like it's one continuous shot but of course it's currently kind of impossible with our levels of technology i mean maybe you could have done it with a drone where it follows bernardo and anita into the the dance and then flies over all the dancers and and comes to rest on the other side of the gym so you get this kind of really amazing one shot flyover of the entire dance Oh my goodness, that shot. And, and it went viral for a reason. I mean, there's a whole Twitter thread of Guillermo del Toro just losing his mind over that shot for good reason. Somehow, magically, impossibly edited together to make it look like a single shot. I have no idea how it's done, uh, but I I want someone to... to break it dead like i i want like entire film classes taught on how they did that shot because oh my god it's it's beautiful and this this is one this is one of those things i kind of miss in terms of regular special features because you can get it you can do an entire special feature documentary on that one scene yeah i know i want like a 30 minute featurette on just you know sit down and break down every you know it's like it's like a 45 second shot and i i want like an entire hour-long documentary on how how we did that one shot i i know that, that they've said it also took like a complicated like light dimmer system to make sure that they could change the lighting in each individual part of the set to make sure it was kind of continuously lit in different ways to make sure i mean it's it's ridiculously complicated um in order to do and like that whole dance at the gym sequence is just a master class in like this is why spielberg is the ultimate there, there are so many absolutely beautiful things about this. You know, the, the costumes for this are just gorgeous. Um, everything about, you know, the set dressing and the, <laughs> and the singing, of course. When they get to, like, uh, I Have a Love, uh, you know, Boy Like That that whole sequence 
at the end with Maria and Anita and Anita goes to the bed the empty bed now that will no longer have Bernardo and you know yeah oh my goodness if 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 she wins the Oscar it is going to be on the back of that one moment of her like grabbing the the railing of the bed and oh my goodness this this film i told somebody that this film is 90% perfect and i think unfortunately it's time to talk about that 10% about 8% of the not perfect in this film is tony uh tony in this film does not work the way he's acted or the way he's written or both the, the way he's acted i mean the the writing is the same a different actor in this but the the acting is flat and the singing is worse uh, apparently uh he was trained as a dancer i i'm told uh but it doesn't really come across it, the the cool sequence is kind of the best you get and it's fine it's the best it gets the meeting between Tony and Maria in the uh, the gym where they dance under the bleachers. Maria is beautiful. She moves beautifully, but she kind of just dances around him. They're supposed to dance together. Tony does not dance really in that sequence. Hmm. I, I go back and watch it. He barely moves. She does this beautiful kind of you know, balletic thing around him and he kind of stands there. It's bad. And his his voice is passable if you... My only thing, I mean, if I had to make a complaint, is that he doesn't really put the emotion into the song Maria as I think he should. Well, the thing is, is it's kind of a karaoke version. And, I, you know, I like me some karaoke. It's fun. But when you're singing next to an entire cast of Tony Award-winning actors, I mean, these people have absolutely slayed on Broadway. Even if they're not known for, you know, like, big film performances, you know. And even Rachel in the, the female lead here, she's bringing it. She has an incredible voice, and this, uh, of course, everybody's got to start somewhere, and she's starting big. I I can absolutely see, you know, she's very young, of course, but I can absolutely see her going places. But he is vocally not up to this, and it just harms everything. I don't really know what the thinking was there. I guess because he was a name and everybody knew him from other things. Possibly. And there's not really a name. I mean, Rita Moreno is a name. But as far as the younger cast, they went for stage actors. There's not really a name draw except for the actor playing Tony. And unfortunately, that is the Achilles heel of this film. Um, the other kind of 2% maybe 
uh, that doesn't really work is the ending, I'm going to say, falls a little flat. It feels a bit rushed. I mean, we're two and a half hours into this movie, and it feels like, well, we can't have this be three. We got to wrap this up. It does feel a bit like that, and I hate to say it because the ending in the 61 film is one of my favorite things. Natalie Wood absolutely nails that final speech, and I was waiting to see how Rachel Ziegler was going to do it, and unfortunately, I cannot blame her for what happens. Because there is no speech to give. It's like two lines. Natalie Wood is given a passage that is so beautiful. And it's a passage that they kind of tried to do, but it needed to be longer. Yeah, she points the gun at the at the other gang members and... I can kill because I hate now. And that's kind of it. Yeah, but the original speech that Maria gives, at least in the 61 film, because we're comparing the film versions here rather than the, the stage play, is she never really understood killing. She never had it in her to kill. But now she understands that killing comes from a place of hate. And so now she thinks she can kill because now she has hate. And Natalie Wood's version of that is just one of the best speeches in film history. It's such a good bit of writing. And as much as I love Kushner as a writer, he kind of glosses over it. And it is the emotional core of the piece. This naive little girl who did not understand the racial tensions around her. Did not understand why her brother was was in this gang. Did not understand Tony's background. His time spent in jail. His gang affiliate. She didn't understand any of it. And now she does. And now she has the gun. And there is a real moment in that first film of what's she going to do? Because if you know your Shakespeare, this never ends well for Juliet. There is a real moment where Maria could be lying on that pavement. There are so many ways this could go. And it's a real tension for the audience watching it for the first time. And there is no tension in that moment in this film. There is never a second that I think an audience watching this for the full t first time ever believes she's going to pull that trigger because the moment passes too fast. The other problem is, is that in the original film, there is that moment of picking up Tony's body, you know, where she says, don't touch him. And the Jets try to pick up his body. They struggle with it. And the sharks step in and there's that moment of, are they going to fight? But then you realize that, no, the, the sharks really are sorry that it's come to this. They just want to help honor the dead. And they realize how torn up Maria is. And they love Maria. So they want to help carry Tony's body. But in this one, again, it's too quick. It's just, There's never that tension 
there's never that stare down stare down it's just like they just pick them well up, like, time to take out the trash like it really is like it's too quick it is so kind of you know the ending is so kind of speed run and we have built so long to get to this tragedy not to let it breathe and it should be allowed to breathe the weight of that should be allowed to sit with the audience but you know 90 percent of a perfect movie is still better than to almost anything else you'll see so on that let's ask the question kiki does west side story 2021 have the magic of course of course if you've not been listening come on i'm going to say yes i agree with your 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 shortcomings of the movie again ending goes a little too fast so yeah i would say uh if you have not seen this version of the film give it a chance give it a watch uh i would recommend if you have the time to do so and if you're on hbo max watch the original and watch this and then make up your own mind yeah the original is amazing too it's one of my favorite films still i mean they're both great in their own unique and distinct way all right, so let's let's move on to next week. Uh, this is a movie that I had been looking forward to. One of the many, many movies that COVID had delayed and delayed and delayed. And when it finally came out, I was there first day to see it. And I love this movie. Uh, you wanted to put this on the list, and we're going to be talking about it. Free Guy. Yeah. Getting the, our uh, video game on. Oh, it's the GTA movie I always wanted. <laughs> so come back next week for free guy and we will talk to you all then bye. bye don't let the magic stop here join our conversation online on facebook at rewatching the magic twitter at rewatch the magic and of course new episodes every week at rewatching the Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.